supposed to be Saturday? What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Oh. Ooh. Welcome to Film Fight Club. Falconstein from Falcon Screen. That was not Glenn Falconstein from Falcon Screen. Ooh. And that was Chris Evans, freelance writer and critic and filmmaker. Front the room, Sydney filmmaker. I screwed that one up. It doesn't, it's, it's all the same in the end. <laughs> it's all right. I would love to make movies, but I would probably be pretty bad at it. That's why I became a critic. You should make movies. I think movies would be fun. This, this is the story of all of our lives. Yeah. So, and here okay. we are. We have a token filmmaker. That is why we token have you on critic. the phone, Chris. I make films too, Virat. I'm oh, right yeah. here. But, but it raises a question. In this age of, of uh, YouTube and your Snapchat and your Instagram stories, aren't we all filmmakers? Exactly. Wait, are we filmmakers or content creators? That no, no we are film- there, there is a distinction, I feel. You can be both. But we are content connoisseurs. We are <laughs> content critics. So us reviewing content- the latest content coming at you live from Two CR. Yes. So we are talking a lot of content this week. We are talking all things Sydney Film Festival. The Sydney Film Festival is coming up from the fifth to the sixteenth of June, and this is our annual, probably my favorite episode, the Clashes episode, where the program is out and we fight about what films we should see, what films. We are just seeing what films Which you, films should, you see. should see because there's so many and it's so packed and you can only see one at a time. Maybe unless you're just crazy Superman, so exactly. you can only see one at a time. We get screeners. So. I, I want to know about the adventures yeah, where, where of crazy Superman at Sydney Film Fest, where he sees every film. <laughs> that would be that would be too much. Do you think much. it's possible to see every film? Superman could do this. Like theoretically, he can jump between Dendy Opera Keys, yeah. Dendy Newtown, and the State Theatre quick enough to see everything. And his mind, if he can just read the books, like <laughs> then his mind should be strong enough to withhold, withstand the turning to mush effect of watching forty-five films in a row. Except that and Tango, because it's seven hours long. You think that could defeat Superman? Possibly. No. New Kryptonite. His I, 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 seven or never look away. Epics. I, or never look away until he looks away. I, I tell you, I tell you what can defeat Superman: the vivid crowds. That can defeat Superman because that's going to be insane. Never Look Away is a great title for a movie that's over three hours long because it's like there's no bathroom breaks in this one. You're not allowed to look away. Yes. Must be looking at the screen at all times. At all times. So that is one film we will be reviewing in coming weeks. We are doing our Clashes episode. Um, we will also be talking later in the episode and on the podcast, not just about Clashes, but the biggest film and television event of the week, which is the Game of Thrones series finale, which is out now. It will be a spoiler discussion, so you have been warned later in the episode. And, and yeah, so let's get into our Sydney film Festival clashes. We've all kind of got our programs, but we've got our flexi pass. We know what we kind of want to see. Um, is anyone going to see Palm Beach, the opening night flick? I'm going to the red carpet, but is anyone staying for the movie? I'm, I can't really say I'm interested. I'm I'm seeing something much more interesting around the same time. That's my excuse. Look, Palm Beach looks like an Australian film that might make money, so good for them there. But outside of that, I. I, I don't know. I feel like... It's going to play very well in Baron Joey Parade, where look, I used to live. But more importantly, there's fewer and fewer films that play at the Sydney Film Festival that get an actual release in cinemas these days, as the exhibition industry is shrinking, right? But Palm Beach is guaranteed to play okay to the Northern Beaches sector. Oh, yeah. Brian Brown, Sam Neill. Orpheum for three months. Gar- three lock it months. In. It's I the know. new... What's the one from 2006 that everyone went to see? The Red Dog? No, no, no. It uh, it went for the like blue two dogs. years. To Darwin. The blue dogs. No, like, the sapphires. No, no, no. Two thousand and six. Um, with the guy from um neighbors. No, the, the Swedish <laughs> home Swedish and away. actor Michael Nyquist. 
Uh, as it is in heaven? As it is in heaven. It's, it might be the new As It Is Maybe. In Heaven. Maybe. Okay. I just don't see the urgency of seeing that at Sydney Film Festival. No. So I'm, As It Is In Heaven? Definitely not. <laughs> so I'm actually tossing up between two films that night. Maybe you can help me decide. Seriously, one is Divine Love, which is the near-future Brazilian sex sci-fi, and the other is Ghost Town Anthology, which is about a town where... People start to a very small town with well, hundred people. People start to come back. To I'm, life. I'm glad you it's, asked it's this question. Divine love. You see, you see, divine love, and then you see Ghost Town Anthology next Wednesday at 9 p.m. As I'll be doing, and I'll tell you why. Ghost Town Anthology, I think, will be good. Um, the, I saw one of the director's previous films. I think it was called Vic and Flo saw a Bear at Sydney Film Festival in 2013 or 14. I thought that was was not great, but really interesting enough that I thought I'd watch any future film from that director. However. Divine Love, I think, is the more must-see film. The previous film from the director, Neon Bull, was my favorite film of the year it came out. Um, yeah, a 2016 big one at Sydney Film Festival. Yeah, it was a fairly weak year in, in film for me, 2016. So um, Neon Bull was at the top for me. Um, and Neon Bull featured, I think, the best sex scene I've seen in recent cinema. And now that director turning his gaze to an erotic sci-fi film... Um, I think it sounds it sounds really interesting. Neon Bull was also it was beautifully shot and it was an interesting kind of inversion of the way that gender is usually depicted. Um, it, yeah, really fascinating. Not film. to raise any expectations any higher than they already are, Chris, but I did manage to catch Divine Love, and it is quite spectacular. In fact, I'm going to see it again because of that reason because it deserves to be seen multiple times. It's quite fascinating, and there's a lot of neon. In this movie as well. Yeah. He's a really talented director, I yeah, think. Really interesting framing. Very Nicholas Wending reference, actually, in that sense. A lot of comparisons with the neon demon are going to come up. Oh, such a good movie. Such an underrated movie. No. So that is, yes. <laughs> I will gladly fight about neon demon. So that is the Wednesday night, the 5th of June. Should we move on to the Thursday, the 6th of June? Um, the one I'm really looking forward to that night is I Am Mother, which I would be seeing, but I think it is actually premiering on Netflix the next day. It's the Hilary Swank film about the robot which raises a young child. However, instead of that, I will be seeing a Cuban film, The Extraordinary Journey of Celeste Garcia, which is about aliens who come to Cuba. Some people think they're Russian or not sure. Maybe they're aliens, maybe they're Russian. And then they find out that the aliens are inviting everyone, people who want to come to their world. So it's That's way. at 6.30, isn't it? That's at 6.30. I think it's at Den Diopra Keys. Uh, yes. So I'll be catching that one. There's a couple of others on at that time. Skin, the new film with Jamie Bell, um, where he uh, plays a reformed person who wants to uh, remove all the tattoos from his body, but also The Souvenir. I know it's playing a few times throughout the festival, but that probably is the yep. big ticket item for the that night. Souvenir, that, I've that heard, is, is fantastic. Then skin. That's, that's the screening I'm catching yeah, on look, Thursday night. As far as Skin goes, my reaction is... Somewhere between no and absolutely not. Okay. So how come? I'm curious. I'm, I'm not sold on this film, but I'm okay. not aesthetical to it either. I heard about another film from this director. He made a short film, which is also playing at the festival. Paired up, it's paired up with another film in the program, and it's also called Skin, and it's also oh. about a skinhead <laughs> and racist tattoos. And, so uh, you think he just expanded on that idea and then made a feature instead? But the feature is based on a true story, so that makes it even more weird and confusing. Anyway, so the short, which is not based on a true story, but is also called Skin. I guess you can say he's got a lot of skin in the game. Yeah. Uh, a <laughs> film's called Skin, Yeah, especially at Sydney Film Festival 2019. Um, yeah, that short sounds so terrible that even if he's kept from going in such an obvious direction by the narrative framework of a real life story 
I do not trust this guy's instincts in making a film about racism and a film that's meant to send a message to the audience at all. I think it's going to be so incredibly heavy-handed. Okay, so that is Skin. The other one, which I'm actually catching the following day, is the souvenir, the Tilda Swinton film, the sequel of which I understand involves Roland Pattinson, which looks, uh, which I'm, I'm quite keen for. I just read the description, and yep, I'm sold immediately. This is one of the, I think, major items that will premiere at the festival. Hang on, the souvenir. The souvenir. Right. Yes, uh, it's a double film um, by Jonah Hogg. I think the other installments coming out at a later date. Um, in terms of later that night, uh, what am I doing later that night? I really don't think, actually, yeah, later that night, I'm not so, yeah, I might actually, oh, the, the wind, I'm seeing the wind. The wind is part of the Freak Me Out section, which is uh, a, this one is set on the Western Frontier, and it is a horror film involving the woman who moves to that area, and I'm pretty, I'm always sold on the Freak Me Out section. A lot of the films that are in the rest of the program are very much along those lines too, so they've clearly would have to have gone all out to find films that will appeal to that genre crowd, the dedicated genre crowd who comes to the Sydney Film Festival every year to catch those dedicated? ones. Are dedicated? Are they Jedi? Is, is that what I said? Yeah, dedicated. dedicated. I, I've had styles of mind recently, excuse me. But yes, I will be at the wind. I'm trying to catch every single Freak Me Out film with the possibility, maybe not in fabric, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I am, we'll be seeing the wind on Thursday night. As an aside, how much does the souvenir sound like an education? Let's hope it's better than that. I love the education. No, that was a bad film. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Glenn. It was bad. It was lousy. Okay, we're going to fight about this. It it was all based on... Okay, Carrie Mulligan was fine, but it was all based on one lousy, not-so-significant twist that wasn't significant to the story. That's all that matters. Carrie Mulligan is amazing in a film, and the film is singularly better. It was so blunt for us. There was no subtlety to it. So was Wildlife. That was pretty... I didn't like Wildlife either. Yes, let's compare it to Wildlife. Yes. No, never, 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 never a good sign. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Agree to disagree on that one, guys. All right. Now, 7 o'clock, Mar- sorry, on, seven, on the 7th of June, my Sydney Film Festival journey starts at 3.45 in the afternoon with Angelo, which is a drama about an African man who is kept, uh, taken from Africa and raised in European nobility. I found this topic quite interesting, which I'll be seeing it, but I think Chris... Uh, maybe one of a number of people who maybe otherwise occupy, not just for those hours, but the many hours preceding this film. Yeah, I think I will be doing the all-night cinema loving. No, it's the Friday. No, that's the following it's night. No, this is the Friday. No, what's about oh, Satatango, dude? Satan We're Tango. talking about, yeah, Satatango. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying Satatango. They're already blurring together in my mind because, you know, it's like I'm, th- I'm already just dreading it. Like, how am I going to survive having gone through a seven-and-a-half-hour movie and then the next day, even if I get to have a break, then I start at 9.30 a.m. on the Saturday and I watch, like, five movies that day, then go into a, a four-film cinema marathon from 10.30 p.m. at night Chris, and one of them is three hours long chris will transform into movies like we won't yeah. know chris oh, it's just going to be a razor head meets uh a razor well, head yeah. meets in the it, realm it, of the senses i would love to see that love child you know razor head meeting love in the realm of the senses are you going to go to the all-night cinema loving i'm, I'm tempted <sighs> i think what, you'll it, see the, that love child in your mind's eye wait and that's on the Saturday night. It's on the Saturday Friday night, Dendy Newtown. But things I want to see, I want to see a raise ahead. The others are not sold on, and I know I'm going to be wrecked for the Sunday and probably the Monday if I do that. That's part of the thrill of it. It's like 
yeah. drilled the trenches from Nam. Can, can, can you imagine walking, we're going to have flashbacks? Can you imagine walking home at like seven a.m. on a sun, Saturday morning, having like going to Guzman and Gomez for breakfast, having of seen? Nam. What am I talking about? <laughs> wow. Um, sorry, Guzman and Gomez at seven a.m. They'll be open, right? Is this I, I, starting I on so. Saturday night or starting on Friday starting night? Saturday, Saturday night. night. It goes into Sunday. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing four on Sunday and four on Monday, so I probably would be dead. So I shouldn't be doing this to myself. Yeah, but but you have to. <laughs> That's the rule. You have to. We have to. But we're jumping ahead because we're still on the Friday. Yeah. Um, look, I, I'm curious about San Antango. Convince me. You're going to do it. Well, how often do you get the opportunity to watch a seven and a half hour film that people consider good? I know. I've, I've sold it so well. <laughs> the, last season, the last season of Game of Thrones. It's not a film, though. But, but, but actually... Film, film and cinema debate reignites here at Film Fight Club. Uh, is television cinema... No. But actually, <laughs> Chris, take. Chris, Chris, you got to realize you're talking to someone who left me like 10 minutes in the Vampire Hotel, which screened at, yeah. you know, Sian Soto. At Sydney Underground Film Festival. Sydney Underground We're Film still Festival. On this. It's been 18 months. <laughs> but, you I know, we'd... you have shown no I remorse. I watched another movie. You have no remorse. You have shown no actual you corrective measures. time travel thing, didn't you? Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just glad Virat told me it was four hours. Exactly. I, I, I watched a... I watched well, a you couldn't last a four hours. You just lasted 10 time minutes. Time travel movie. How could you last, last 7.5 hours? Seconds. That's what I'm trying to say. You can't, couldn't even last four hours. Well, no, I, you couldn't well, I, sit still for like an elephant. Well, I, I'm, unlike last year. Well, I'm not doing Santa because that night I'm actually tossing it up still. I'm just trying to decide between the new Almodovar, Pain and Glory, and, and in Almodovar. fabric. In fabric. Well, I think you've got to go with Almodovar because a lot of people are saying this is one of his best films. Almodovar is a legend, and I think when he's at his best, he's turning out classics. And Peter Strickland, I find a lot more hidden this. I think. The only argument I could see for for choosing In Fabric over the Almodovar is that Almodovar is such a legend that this film, especially with its positive critical reception, should get a decent cinematic release. It will. Release. It'll be Even, a palace. In you know, Dendi like Julietta, sure. like Boxing Day, Julietta took that release date yeah. last, last year. And, it's, and it, by all accounts, it's much better than Julietta. But, exactly. but the thing is, like, you guys may not have to choose because In Fabric is already sold out. Right. But then you always go on the app and tickets change and sometimes exactly. like one ticket becomes available. You can find a spot. And at the yeah. Dendy Newtown, they're not seated. It's just general yeah. admission. Yeah. I'm really curious about In Fabric because the ver- very oblique trailer uh, leaves a lot to be curious about. This has Gwendolyn Christie. And for those who are disappointed with the latest season of Game of Thrones, as we will get into, you may find something that you might enjoy more featuring Brienne of Tarth. I find Peter Strickland to be too calculated and too cold to have a really work. I like Duke of Burgundy, which was nice. Yeah. I I just don't think that his stuff succeeds as a horror movie instead of just as like a pastiche and a parody of horror movies. But that's still more ambitious than a lot of people. As people would say, elevated horror, which is the new kind oh, of buzzword God. in studios. Speaking, you know, speaking of elevated horror, <laughs> uh, what's more elevated than the top of a lighthouse? Zing, segue. Do you think that we're going to get late editions that mess up all of our <laughs> fine-tuning the program we're doing right now? No, actually, like, no, if no, if no, the no, lighthouse year, comes actually. after the reviews it has gotten, I'll be very happy with mixing up my program to go see another RPATS film. Also starring Willem Dafoe, but I, all accounts of performances are excellent. I reckon we'll be seeing... Portrait of a young girl on fire. Or Vivanium. Possibly Vivanium, the Jesse Eisenberg film. Hopefully Maybe. the Terrence Malick film, A Hit on Life. Hopefully the, the, no, no. Why, and hopefully, why no. hopefully Tarantino too. Like because, that's the, we won't get Tarantino. Tarantino's uh, upset about spoilers, so that tells me that he doesn't want yeah. any 
early screenings outside of the Cannes Film Festival. I don't think he's completed the final version of the film that he wants. To oh, he close. definitely hasn't. It's close. He now. wants to premiere at a con. He wants to premiere during the festival. 25 right. years to the day after Pulp Fiction came out. Outside of that, he wouldn't break the idea of screening it only in August or July. I'm not. I'm saying no to Malik because I don't think Malik is someone who would like to do screeners. But it doesn't. It, no, it doesn't matter anymore. Fox Searchlight bought the rights to the film for between 12 I'm glad and 14. They still exist. Yeah. Think about that. Walt Disney is going to release the new Terrence Malick film. Anyway, that's they could easily. Uh, do you like Disney now? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I, I don't. I don't. Okay. Um, Are you sure? You, about you like him a little more, I think. It's I what, mean, if, what if they release the next David Lynch film? What if they do? It would be very strange. But would you like them then? Um, I would be happy that someone within that system was being given the free reign enough to do. Something like that. Art. But, um, yeah, if Fox decide they want to screen it at the, at the film festival to build up some hype, why not? It could yeah. easily happen. Power to them. So that is the Friday night, except also later that Friday night, I will be catching Enzite Ever After, which is a German film director will be coming out, and it is a eco-zombie thriller. Uh, uh, again, it sounds like Game of Thrones, but uh, it does. The I don't description think looks great. I think zombies have finished. You know, like I can't even get no, it, excited the about Jim Jarmusch's. Really oh, really? I've heard a few people mention that. There is another one. interesting yeah. clash on Friday night, which is the final quarter, which is uh, the Adam Goods documentary versus the new Alex Ross Perry, Her Smell at the Ritz. Well, I'm seeing her smell next Wednesday. I'm looking forward to the new Elizabeth Moss film. I'm curious about the Adam Goods film. I'm a casual AFL fan, but I've certainly followed the Adam Goods debate. Hang on. Uh, how are you seeing this next Wednesday? Her smell is playing Wednesday night. Sorry, uh, Wednesday the 12th. Excuse me. The, I'm seeing it the following Wednesday. I'm not seeing it this Wednesday. Yes, we are. This is we're obviously Sydney Film Festival still a couple of weeks away. But we all have to sort out our schedules because things are booking up. Yeah. But yeah, the Adam Goods documentary. So you'll be seeing, this is certainly one of the most promoted films of the festival. Like this may be the film that locally gets the most coverage given the subject matter. Her Smell is getting a video on demand release very soon. In fact, probably would be already out on video on demand by the time the Film Festival is live. So there's other ways of watching that, even though it's very good from all reports. Uh, closed uh, critic friends of ours have recommended this movie quite strongly. They've repped like, you know, pretty loose with this film. I've heard that too. And this is the um, <laughs> ostensible Courtney Love biopic or loosely based on yeah, her life? No, a uh, character inspired by her. Okay. So but I'm yeah, the final quarter would be interesting to watch because uh, I think it's, uh, you know, we don't get to see those kind of docos, especially sports docos on Australian figures at all. No, we don't. No, we don't. All right. So that is the Friday night. Moving on to Saturday, the 8th of June, getting into the long weekend. Um, the souvenir is that morning. I actually might be catching that session. I'm seeing A Tale of Three Sisters that, at midday. There's two Turkish films this year. They both look really good. The other one is Sybil. Uh, they both. Oh, this one has fantastical elements to it. It is about three sisters who uh, defy their quite conservative father. I'll be there at the Tale Tree Sisters as well, but it's clashing with another one that I want to see, which is the Steve Bannon documentary, The Brink, and then Rio Keys. So, how much do you want to spend that much time with Steve Bannon? That's I, yeah, I don't. That's, that's the thing. thing. I, I'm I'm like, look, I hate, you know, all that he stands for, but which is why I want to understand it and I want to spend time with it. I think that's the. That's the appeal, isn't it? You should watch his movies. He's actually a Hollywood, he was a Hollywood producer before he went into politics. He made a film with Sean Penn. Are you talking about Harvey Weinstein or No, Steve he has Bannon? a film later in the festival, Untouchable. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Steve Bannon. Is Untouchable playing at the festival? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Untouchable playing at the festival. Yeah. 
Oh god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Monday night, Monday four p.m. Um, I think I'm definitely yeah, going yeah. to that one. I, we'll talk about the Clash because I've got that up as well. Oh, I yeah. thought you meant Untouchable, like remake of The Untouchables. It, yeah. No, Untouchable no, no, Harvey Weinstein doc. Yeah, but he also released a movie called Untouchable with Brian Cranston. No, no. He did. Okay. That was a Weinstein project as well. Oh. Which adds extra irony oh, wow. to choosing that title. Okay. The Brian um, Cranston and Kevin Hart remake of, of the Untouchables, the French movie. Oh, they made it Untouchables? Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the Untouchables. Oh, right. Sorry. In the, but yeah, yes. ant- Untouchable, you know, just means yes. untouchable. But yes, yes. because of confusion with the Brian De Palma Al Capone movie with Sean Connery, they changed the title to the horrendous multilingual mix-up, The Intouchables. I remember seeing the You can't touch him, that. Jim. He's intouchable. I'm not looking forward to it. I really liked the original. So I was really fond of the original. But yeah, Kevin Hart? So Kevin Hart? Really? I'm pretty sure it's Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Okay, I, I, I think... Oh, no, be- it's not. It's Chris Tucker. No, I think... Are, are you sure, dude? I'm pretty sure it's Chris Tucker. All right, we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not seeing, I'm not seeing the brig because I don't need more of Steve Bannon in my life. Okay, um, but I feel the biggest clash of all of this entire Sydney Film Festival is these two big <laughs> check, movies. Check, check. You know, first one, Animals versus Blinded by the Light. Oh, okay. The, the, the two oh, biggest movies yeah. of the Sydney Film Fest. Which is going to be the biggest crowd pleasers. Well, Animals has... Or um, the worst. I'm oh. so sorry, I've forgotten her name. Maybe from Arrested Development. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it was called the... It was called Untouchable, but they changed the name to The Upside. <laughs> oh, no. Just and go watch Kevin. The, it was Kevin Hart it was, and Brian yeah. Cranston. Go, go watch the French movie. It's good. It's really good. Omar Sy, he's great. I was thinking of Harvey Weinstein movies, and I thought of Chris Tucker in Silver Linings Playbook. And somehow crossed the wires. That was that was a great movie. <laughs> that was a good movie. All right, moving back to Saturday afternoon. Yeah, back yeah. to um, Animals versus Blinded by the Light. All right, Blinded is... by the Light is Virat's new favorite movie. No, <laughs> okay. uh, Blinded by the Light just is get out of here, Glenn. Just, right. just just leave right now. So this has been heavily publicized by the festival team. This is the one about a young Pakistani British man who is raised by a very conservative family. Aren't falls... they always? Is it's from there the, ever it's, be progressive liberal Indian families? Uh, Pakistani, <laughs> family. but, but but notably, it is from the director of Ben British like Beckham. To, it's to be not fair, a they're all the same. You know, Indian yes. Pakistanis, we're kind of like the same people. Okay, and, <laughs> and <laughs> the person who made it like completely sidestepped that. That was very smooth, and very fa- subtle, guys. And he falls for Bruce Springsteen's music in a big, big way, the way I fell for Elton John's music um, when I was a little bit younger than his character. But you so, want to see animals, Glenn? Uh, no, I'm seeing the Elephant Queen. Wait, what time is Blinded by the Light on? This is all 8.30. This is both 8.30. Oh, Saturday night. Oh, we've jumped way ahead. Wait, is this, is this Saturday? Yeah, yeah, 8 June. Oh, okay. Okay, we've, we've, we've jumped, forget the afternoon. Uh, Blinded by the Light. What am I seeing that night? I am seeing, well, I was thinking of the all-night Sin 11, which I'm not convinced on yet. Uh, maybe American Woman, the new Sienna Miller film. It's a th- film. It's a thriller. Animals, I think I'm actually seeing that later in the program. I do want to see it because I like Ali Shawkat. So I'm I'm, that's not very, too much of a contentious night for me. I'm very hesitant because I really did not enjoy the director's first film, 52 Tuesdays, which was just aimless, aimless hipster photography. So fingers crossed for Animals to be more substantial, I guess. I, I do hope so. Uh, I know one of the some of the festival some of the filmmaking crew are coming out for that one. Uh, so there's the All Night Center Lovin', and 
what else that afternoon? Kursk is playing that afternoon, which is the Matthias Schoenhertz, Colin Firth, Lesser Do film about the submarine disaster. I think it was 2003. Um, so I'll probably be catching that one. It's going to be, I think, Total Middle Brow, <gasps> Zentropa, Anders Thomas Jensen, um, Thomas Vinterberg, etc. Who cares? In my opinion, I think it'll be like a TV movie. No, I lie. I lie. I'm actually not seeing it because I'm seeing the film with the best description of the whole festival. It is a it is a film from Sudan called Akasha. It is about a soldier who loves nothing more than his AK-47, who loses his AK-47 and to not get in trouble has to go on the run from the army with a pacifist. I think that's the best description I've seen for a movie out of the how many ever many are playing at the Sydney Film Festival. Isn't that just Monos? No. Isn't that about... Isn't that, isn't that a young group of young men? about child soldiers losing who, their toys and then getting angry. But I think this is more of a comedy. Monos? No, 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 as in Akasha. <laughs> okay. At least it looks more like a comedy. Um, we've only I think got, Monos might be a comedy or a different type, unintentionally. Uh, we've got about five minutes left. Uh... We're going to talk more about the Sydney Film Festival clashes on the podcast. However, before we do, we want to talk about the series Final of the Game of Thrones. The discussion that we'll have in the next few minutes, uh, we'll keep it broad. It won't be a spoiler discussion. We'll talk about the series as a whole. But then come this podcast, we will be talking spoilers. The final episode, The Iron Throne, aired on Monday. The mixed result, it is one of the three major franchises of time, not the three major franchises of our time that are ending this year, including um, event Marvel MCU Phase 4, etc., and Star Wars Episode 9, which will screen later in the year. Um, I have very mixed feelings about this latest episode of Game of Thrones. I feel the it was emblematic of the terrible storytelling where it was wrapped up all too quickly. However, I enjoyed the opportunity to spend time with the characters, just like we got to do in the first two episodes of this season. Look, before I completely, you know, poo on this, uh, let me just say that uh, I'm kind of thankful looking back that this is one of those prestige TV dramas which be I don't know when is the next one we're going to get it this is like The Sopranos this is it's like not going to happen again The Wire you know like like a big television drama event which is united audiences all over the world Lord of the Rings uh, Witcher I don't think those will get there one there's too much of this scent of oh everyone's cashing in on the trend it's like there were in the wave of Harry Potter-esque movies that came out for kids oh yes do the Golden Compass right damn it yeah but also that's already that's being done there's an HBO Golden Compass series that's being shown on HBO yes oh right excuse me it looks actually very good Right. But, and there's the new um, Artemis Fowl coming out. Yeah. Look, all of none of these things will catch on to the extent that Game of Thrones did because I think they all feel a little bit being there, done that now. And I think game, there's actually going to be, I think, by the looks of it, quite a backlash against Game of Thrones. A lot of people are unsatisfied by the ending. I, I know. Like, before before we get on to that, like, I just want to say that, actually, I'm pretty thankful because this doesn't happen, especially in how cynical and how much media we consume these days and how... Like, we don't give it a chance to really grow on us. There were eight seasons for this kind of worldwide television phenomena to exist, which has united people from all over the world. Like, even in back in India, where, you know, people don't watch HBO TV shows. People know about Game of Thrones like the back of their hand. So it's interesting to see how it's, you know, transcended cultural barriers, languages, countries, demographics, and it's united people from different ways. So it's... That is something to celebrate. Matt Zoller uh, wrote an interesting comment about it, which might account for some of that, which is that, especially in the early show, the storytelling feels very pri- like primeval almost, that it's so dark and so savage in the turns. And 
Well, yeah, for that simple reason, the basics. it was endearing because everyone goes on about how individual characters, there's no safe characters, you can't die. But it means that for once that there's no character who is always required to see a story through, that real life consequences are more palpable. Mm. And to that effect, in the early seasons when characters um, did suffer gruesome ends or gruesome events, it felt that it was because of a fatal flaw they had. Uh, I think, and I really enjoyed that. In the later series, it's very much because the story necessitated that it was a plot necessitated. An entire season arcs were shepherded um, into individual episodes or less, which will be frustrating no end to people now or who discover the series in decades to come. I know. I mean, you know, it's, it is what it is. The writing did kind of was a letdown. But without getting into that, actually giving it time to breathe, I actually realized what it's accomplished. And I think it's quite rare. So I wanted to acknowledge that before I jump into a critical diatribe. Yeah, I think we're not going to have another series like this, not just because of the scale of it, but um, because of the way that people watch this week by week over eight years. I think it's harder to get everyone excited about the same plot developments when people are streaming shows at their own pace these days. Think about, we still, Chris and I will still, um, we can get, when we make a joke about The Simpsons, we know. And you can, Game of Thrones has that same cachet. I don't think there's anything quite else like that. Rest of Development, Breaking Bad, maybe The Wire. I don't think there's going to be something in the foreseeable future, if for a long time, which will be so uniformly watched and revered. And for all the faults of the last two seasons, I would say, it is still grand storytelling. And it is incredible, as this episode did, to contrast how far we have come and from the first season because the actors have changed. We've changed. Um, the people I watched Game of Thrones with eight years ago, I don't watch it with now, so I still do. I relish that. I cherish that. Oh, yeah, I've, I've lost some real friendships because of Game of Thrones. I <laughs> oh. mean, there was friendships on the line when people told me spoilers I didn't want to know. So we're... We're almost out of time. Stay tuned for The Sonic Assassin. We will be talking next week with Festival City Film Festival Director National Moodley about the program and the festival will start the week after that. We'll also be covering Rocketman, the new Elton John biopic um, in brief. We will be focusing still on our coverage of the City Film Festival. Stay tuned for the podcast. We'll be talking all things City Film Festival clashes and Game of Thrones spoilers. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Virat Nehru um, in a Westeros Stay chilled. Vargalus, all men must die. Enjoy movies. <laughs> Valamagulus. Enjoy life. And good night. Drogon. And welcome back to the Film Fight Club podcast. Ah, oh, okay. Now, do you want to continue with Game of Thrones or do we want to get back to City Film Festival clashes? No, let's, let's finish our chain of thought with Game of Thrones. Let's give it a proper okay. send-off. Okay. Right, this is spoilers. This is spoilers territory for the entire series of Game of Thrones, okay. including the last episode. You have been warned. This isn't really a spoiler comment. This is just outsider commentary. You can spoil now. It's okay. How funny is it that... <laughs> How funny lo- is it? <laughs> a lot of people... Yeah, this is one of those... A lot of people are theorizing that... This last season, maybe the last two seasons, were very rushed because uh, the showrunners were keen to wrap up their work on Game of Thrones so they could start writing the more lucrative job on the thing they're more interested in with Star Wars. How funny is it going to be if they follow in the footsteps of Colin Trevorrow after the Book of Henry and uh, the Lego movie guys, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, to be fired from... (laughs) their new Star Wars movie on account of the backlash. Look, they could have taken on that. They could have taken an extra season. People would have been fine with spending an extra year with these characters. But there were only so many episodes left. 
to tell a story. And the problem with that is there's all these very key plot lines which are absolutely put by the wayside. Um, certainly the, the uh, John's Zywolf, that's where I landed eventuate. But what really got me was the magic of the world, the religion, institutional memory, which have gone into Nova several years, which is, was completely gone. What about the other red priestesses? What were they doing? What power did uh, Rollo have? What power does, does the Weirwood Tree have? Really, what was um, did did the White Walkers really come all that way just to kill Bran and wait eight thousand years and just <laughs> dry, make, amass that incredible army just to to do that? I don't think so. I think there's pro- there was probably more to it than Not that. Not at all. I mean, and that's the other thing, right? I mean, a guy is, by the way, Bran is king, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. No, yeah. no, but like, you know, just, just to preface that, how disappointing is that shit? Like, honestly, like, just that. Not only how that, that was proposed, but how completely shoddily that whole thing was handled even though sam just brings up a notion of democracy which is then laughed at that, that, which that is pretty funny, funny. I, I, that was I, I pretty funny that, yep. <laughs> but just like but brand like he's all-knowing which is kind of interesting to think about you know what is what is game of thrones trying to convey that human failings and the fact that human beings are not good enough to rule so we need an, some kind of omniscient omnipresent being almost like the three-eyed raven in human form to rule over us because human beings are not trustworthy to rule because we can betray each other and we have our authoritarian human authoritarian anti-communist yeah. television on a grand scale as global propaganda. It, I think that's it's what interesting it was because Western you know Empire. it is interesting because in the beginning with the Targaryen and when Danny was there, you had the same flags which were harking back to Nuremberg and you know it was quite obvious the and the first order and the first order and then eventually you end up choosing a kind of ruler who is very much very autocratic in that sense. Not that he wanted to rule in the first place. Bran was like, I don't want anything. And he was just still be like, oh, by the way, do you want to be king? He's like, oh, okay then. Uh, no. But you know what it was? It was plutocratic. It was the republic. It was the idea of the only people, and it was... You're the only one who believes that, too, <laughs> That suddenly, if you don't want to rule, you, you won't, you'll be less corrupted, and you should be the person to... To, to rule, uh, there was an amazing analysis I saw today about. Oh, great! I, I, I don't want I don't want to be fat, so I should eat more food. Was like, drawn what, what is between that kind of logic? the Iron Throne and the One Ring, where it's this one thing that corrupts, and that Danny, when she finally got it, um, was was uh, was killed, and um, then the, it itself was destroyed in flames. I found that really, really interesting. Honestly, the, the only person, and there's a meme about this, that showed the most amount of growth in this episode was Drogon. He deals with loss the most mature way possible. Uh, by wrecking the furniture. By wrecking the thing that corrupted. And then quietly taking away, you know, and not unleashing uh, savagery onto other people. So a dragon has more sense and more emotional quotient and growth than a lot of human beings in the show, which is kind of fascinating to think about. More significantly, where is Drogon? Where did he go? Hey, he's, he's just, just kind of he's hanging like, out. This is really like concerning. Up and left. Dragons just <laughs> up and around. Yeah. All right. So, look, what really got me about this episode, and we talked last week about what I really liked about the last, second to last episode was that it reckoned for the first time in a long time with the people of the world and not just the high noble lords. But more importantly, it situated those lords and ladies in the same position of the quote-unquote common folk who suddenly in the presence of war also had nowhere to run were equally affected. I really liked that. This episode, there's one shot of a common folk (laughs) and then the rest of the episode, that's what they call them in the show, and the rest of the episode is all about... Very democratic. The rest of the episode is all about um, the people, the, the lords, 
laughing about democracy and then just casually talking about brothels when the rest of the city is still obviously clearly suffering. And how is it that the people who were responsible for what happened, Tyrion included, he was Daenerys' hand, be put in these positions of power? Okay, sure, it's all nice to say, all right, he'll spend the rest of his life making up for it. But surely there's a lot of the several thousand citizens of Westeros, or of King's Landing, left who might just think, no, I don't like this guy. I'm pretty sure I could take him out. Pretty much. And, like, Tyrion is one of the worst. I mean, firstly, he calls Bran broken Bran, which I was not pretty happy about. Yeah, that wasn't nice. About. You could have called him, like, you know, <laughs> you know And then Sansa like, talking about how Bran has a broken dick. Anyway, so there was, there was a lot of the those references which weren't that funny. But anyway, I'm still wondering whether they're going to build a ramp for Bran to get around. So that's something which is unsolved. So I don't know how it's going to be disability friendly, which is necessary because now he's king, he probably can build one for himself. Well, there actually was a... Targaryen prince who uh, was in himself, who had the same situation branded and that w- and they built Chevron they they did set up some things to make it a little more accessible the palace and the king's lane a little more accessible so we hope they would continue with that but more importantly the whole thing with Sansa and taking the north as an independent kingdom fine sure but Dawn are just sitting there like the, the biggest isolationist of this entire realm and they must be thinking hold on hell no we're going to be our own kingdom too. And suddenly the Reach and everyone else must be thinking, look, if they can do it, I know the Lord have been through a lot, exactly. but if they can do it, we can do it. And what army is going to stop us? What exactly. army do you have to stop us right now declaring our independence? Exactly. I mean, you don't really have a kingdom to rule over to begin with. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to see. It's, it was, yeah, I don't know what, what people are thinking. But the other funny bits. Okay, Brienne becoming the world's first blogger. That is that is that the is best memes have arisen around that. Oh yeah. my god! You know yeah. about no, about I, how she's she's just dealing with her broken heart by writing the story about Jamie the Brave and how he left me to be with his queen, his first true love. Oh my god! And right. I was just like, there's better ways to get over heartbreak. Honestly, don't write a book. All right, no, I'm going to defend that bit. See, here's the thing: don't there write are a two book. there are two moments in the show which were blatant fan service to the effect of how epic a story Game of Thrones is. One is the speech which Tyrion uses to justify Bran's ascension, saying he has the best story, which he doesn't, and also it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a terrible metatextual thing to say. Secondly, the awful, cringeworthy moment where Sam puts down know, a song of ice, of ice and fire. <laughs> no, no, don't do that to us. We don't wink, do that in our lives. Wink, wink. But the moment where Brienne said, now... I'm going to reckon with my history and my memory of Jamie and record these deeds. Recalling back to that terrible scene where Joffrey was goading Jamie at the beginning of season four, that was quite elegant. I feel that was one of the moments where the show actually reckoned with the breadth of what it had done and how many seasons that had elapsed. And I actually quite liked that. It gave Brienne a much better ending than what we thought we'd seen the last of of her in the second to in the third to last episode when Jamie rode back to King's Landing. I know, but like, what is she going to write? Be like, oh, yeah, you know, we had some sexy times, but then he kind of left me, and now I'm sad. No, she wrote about River Run. She wrote about um, the lives he saved. She wrote about him riding north to defend the living. She wrote about good things. Yeah, he wrote north to save the living, and he left me all alone and sad and miserable. I'm, that's, that's, that's awful, but then that's not what she wrote. I'm sure she wrote that. <laughs> it was a long book. We only got to see snapshots of it. I'm sure there are chapters and chapters and chapters about that. What's the, what's the name of the book? It has a great 
title. It's not. It's like the key, something something. Uh, something something. All right. So the rest of the episode. Look, a lot of it didn't make sense. A lot of it was rushed. I liked the resolution of the John storyline. It was a bit bittersweet how he went back to the wall, mirroring his storyline with Amon Targaryens, his great great uncle, who was a fixture of the show and certainly who had a very pivotal scene with John in the first season in the ninth episode. But John being a Targaryen was. A pure plot device. It didn't make any difference in the end. Um, except it did nicely mirror the um, his relationship with with Aemon, uh, who is one of the most interesting characters in the books and the show. To be fair, so I, I didn't mind that. Um, it didn't have the impact it, w- it necessarily needed to. But the other thing I will say about John is, people will be angry with him for killing Daenerys. But you know what? This has happened before. He's chosen, as Amon said to him, you have to choose love and duty. He chose duty over love when he didn't ride south to protect Rob. He chose duty over love when he didn't run away with the grid and step back to the Night's Watch, and he's done it for a third time. So that it actually was quite a good resolution to John's arc. I was very happy with that. Oh, but it was so heavy-handed. I mean, they were just like orgasmically stabbing each other. That's not what happened at all. Well, they, I don't know. It was kind of orgasmic stabbing. He he just he, they were embracing and he stabbed her and there was a moment where we weren't sure who had died and then it became apparent that it was Daenerys and sure that trope has been done quite a bit but yeah. I like the staging of that sequence I didn't mind it at all yeah well you know there are worse ways to kill someone so yeah as we've seen in the show uh, what else, what else we want like, Game of Thrones look for all the faults of this episode in the last few. It's still John and just, Tormund make the best couple I think that's what we've established. Uh, we established we need more Tormund in our lives that guy's a legend I know. Brianne should get over Jamie and be with Torment. But he respects a big lady. But she's not interested in Torment. I know. She should get over Jamie and be interested in him. That's the whole point. Uh, well, Stop no, writing no, no, this no, book. No, no. Brienne is the commander of the Kingsguard. Therefore, she can take no lands and not marry, etc., etc., etc. Doesn't et need to get married. She just needs to get Jamie out of her system so that she can stop writing this bloody book. So I, I, I don't think she's going to spend that much time in his book. She has a lot more defending of Bran to do. You can't be a very popular king. <laughs> no, no one is very popular in, in this uh, king, universe anymore. So look, there's a lot more we wanted to know about this universe. We will learn more about it from the books. For all its faults, Game of Thrones has given us so much to relish and discuss and be a part of a cultural phenomenon for so many years. Um, I've, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to sit there and enjoy it with so many friends and still talk about it with so many mates. Is there, I don't know, is there anything else we want to cover about Game of Thrones while we're on it? No, I mean, it's just fascinating to see how much of a cultural phenomenon it's become and, and, and how every Monday people would just be like, no spoilers. And like, we would wait for a year or two or three sometimes to kind of just, you know, uh, that kind of loyalty towards uh, one show is unprecedented. I don't think it's going to come by. I know that people need their big spectacles to rally behind, but with the ending of Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame, it feels like it could be a long time before everyone in the culture, it seems, is interested in some level. Rise of Skywalker? Maybe. But Star Wars, I don't know, the brand feels kind of tarnished already. Like, it doesn't have that mm. same kind of mass interest. I'm really holding out for this Lord of the Rings series. I think that could be potentially spectacular. Spending a, Amazon is spending a billion dollars on it. But, but I feel like... No. So it's going to be really bad. <laughs> but also, like... I remember, I'm reminded of a joke a long time ago. I saw someone saying, like, imagine what a movie that cost a billion dollars would look like. And the answer would be absolutely terrible. I think there's a Mad, Mad Magazine sketch about that with James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, interesting, also, like you know, the age group. Like we were that ripe old age where we would could be, get behind a cultural phenomena, and now we're wise old cynics who. Our job of, is to disagree. Yeah, you know, it's like you know a whole. So I guess whatever is the next generation's uh, 
soul or you know food for soul or movies for soul they'll have to find for themselves hopefully it's not aladdin you know aladdin you know hopefully it's not the will smith aladdin but if it is or if it is a live action version of the lion king good on them you know they deserve it it's not a live action i don't see any live action i just see animals cgi'd and yeah Yeah. Um, it's probably only a very small percentage is filmed strange i was in I was actually in Northern Ireland when I discovered Game of Thrones because people were talking about it there, and this was just as the series was starting. And I went back to Ireland this year. Well, obviously, it had a lot of cultural cachet. People were talking about it, and people in the industry were um, very active in the series or had been very active in the series. So it has brought a lot of attention to that part of the world. And I do hope that um, films continue to be filmed there and interest in tourism continues to thrive. Uh, but, yeah, I... Don't know what to say. Actually, while we're on the matter of spoilers, can we talk about? It's interesting how Endgame and Game of Thrones has led to a real resurgence of how we treat spoilers. And I've been really frustrated because spoiler isn't just saying um, without warning that John kills Daenerys. A spoiler is a lot of things. Showing, for instance, as a friend pointed out to me last night at the keynote event we went to, showing John hanging out with the direwolf is a spoiler because it says that John goes north. And you pretty much put the two and two together, referring to character deaths or referring to, oh, I can't believe they did that regarding this character. That's a spoiler. And I think people are getting more sensitive to it. I don't think you need to not have spoilers to not in, to not enjoy something. So I don't think you can still enjoy something if you had something spoiled for you. But I think we really need to be careful about how we treat spoilers because I've seen publications that I know will just put a spoiler in an image or the headline, and that's never okay. It is not. Uh, and there is a great scene in a wonderful, wonderful romantic comedy, which is out in cinemas right now, called Long Shot, which is uh, riffing on this very idea with Charlie Theron and Seth Rogen, where Charlie Theron's character is talking about how she has seen the Game of Thrones series because she reads the synopses and the plot lines. And Seth Rogen is like, no, that doesn't mean you've seen it. And then she's like, no, I know all the things that happen. And he's like, that doesn't mean anything. You haven't experienced it. So she watches an episode and she's like, oh my God, I, I knew I knew it, but I didn't really realize I'd seen it. Anyway, it's one of those interesting kind of, you know, watching a show versus really spoiling a show, but what does it mean kind of thing moments in a pretty heartfelt rom-com. Coming back to Game of Thrones, yeah. Do, do you want to give us a long shot review? I haven't seen it. Uh, it it's actually genuinely heartfelt and funny and surprisingly invested in its characters and it's quite politically relevant uh, than I realized it would be. Uh, the jokes are genuinely subversive in some moments. It is the least Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen movie I've seen. And I mean that in a very good way. Uh, and Charlie Theron is fantastic and she's such... Uh, she's a literal god in this movie in not only how she is acting and portrayed, but just like, you know, she is 15 and Seth Rogen is a two, and you're just like, oh my god, how is this even working out? And for majority of the runtime of the movie, you're just in awe of that, that something or someone decided to put these two together in the same frame. And it sounds like a terrible decision. I know, but it is just like, oh my god. Anyway, but yeah, it's surprisingly genuinely heartfelt and funny and has some really interesting things to say about contemporary culture, especially the Me Too movement and also uh, election of a kind of, you know, very uh, on-the-nose celebrity, hungry president in the United States, which we know about. So there are a lot of uh, contemporary pop culture references and, you know, position of women in power and stuff, stuff like that, which is also interesting. Very hilarious cameo by Lisa Kudrow, which I would definitely, you know, blink and miss, but 
she has a very good scene in that. Okay, so long shot is in cinemas now. Let's get back to talking all things yeah. Sydney Film Festival. Um, where what's my next one? I was going to. I think we're on Chris, the Sunday this afternoon. This is where you come back in. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, Chris. Chris is one Hello, of those people Chris. who hey was. All, Chris. Are you still here? Yep. Yeah, Chris, Chris is always one of those people who's like, I stopped watching Game of Thrones, yeah, and now there's no cachet in saying that anymore because everyone's like, yeah, I'm not watching Game of Thrones because of the because series. It's not on anymore. Yeah, and because of the yeah, whatever, whatever. So, and we also ruined it for Chris. So, yeah. Uh, all right, City Film Festival. Oh, the next film is right? 11th of June. Uh, this 11th one of June. we were talking we're, about. We're jumping ahead. Yeah, but because you know, the nine and ten is fine. The 11th. This is the big one. I feel X Y Chelsea. Versus Kirk's. Not, 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 not High Life. X-Y. Not Untouchable. Like all these films were just... Yeah. <laughs> XY Chelsea. I would... Look, I'm probably not going to see either, but I would definitely go and see XY Chelsea. I think Kirk's is just going to be super um, TV movie, safe, middle brow, you know, not real artistic vision. Yeah, Glenn, because you, you were pretty determined when you were talking before the show about it. That's why I brought it up. Because oh, I right. thought this is one of the more interesting ones and rather than the more obvious ones in terms of clashes that we're talking about. Yeah, I remember the submarine disaster when I was quite younger and I remember the media spectacle that played out around it. I'm very curious of how they will interpret the political events surrounding that film and the diplomacy that went on between um, a number of the countries in light of the very modern political context where a lot of those diplomatic relations are still very fraught. Um, regarding XY Chelsea... I'm sight unseen. That subject has got a lot of coverage through popular culture, television, through news media. I'm ha- I, I haven't read up too much about the film. I would be hesitant because I did, would not want something that is a hagiography. Certainly it might not be, but certainly it has the potential to be very praiseworthy as opposed to too strongly objectively uh, questioning the actions of Chelsea Manning and those surrounding surrounding her. I'm happy to be convinced. I'm going to read read up more about the film, but that is why I would I would probably opt for a thriller about a subject I'm very I'm very interested in rather than something that has been very saturated through a lot of the current press. Chris, you don't like Chelsea Manning, but you might want to see X Y Chelsea. Why? Why would you make that mistake? Well, it really depends on the perspective that the filmmaker is going to take on the issue. If it's just going to be, as Glenn was saying, a hagiography of Chelsea Manning, then no, I'm not interested. But um, I think there's definitely a lot of room for interesting drama in her story. Um, I mean, how many people know that recently she was courting attention from right-wing groups? Um, no, I, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't, I haven't, no, I didn't know it at all. Yeah, so there's a lot of room for interest in the story. But, um, yeah, Kursk, I think, is going to be just flattened down, middle brow, um, like Oscar bait slash TV movie, somewhere in the middle <laughs> okay. of the softest extremes. Okay, so that is early Tuesday evening. Is anyone seeing the Bob Martin Scorsese Bob Dylan documentary, which has Martin Scorsese's name in the title, Rolling Thunder Review? No, I, I don't no. know because I'm. Martin that's Scorsese clashing. presents Martin Scorsese's <laughs> Rolling Thunder Review by a Bob Martin Dylan Scorsese. Martin Scorsese film by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Martin Scorsese involved? That that because <laughs> that's clashing with uh, a movie that I want to see, Present Perfect, which is part of the Flux program and it's using a lot one. of. A lot of the kind of uh, real life footage from China and putting it all together in terms of a kind of video essay style, which is a favorite of uh, 
a publication that I used to write for, or still write for from time to time, uh, named in an aspect ratio that we're not going to mention. Uh, so uh, I think... 16 by 9. <laughs> I love 16 by 9. Yeah, they're, they're, they're wonderful. Aspect ratio to watch movies in. Uh, but yeah, so it's an interesting thing because isn't the Scorsese one coming out on Netflix pretty much the next day? Uh, soon. I think there's a imminent release for that one. Yeah. So just like be aware that a lot of these films will get a commercial release not long afterwards. Not that many. Ones. Well, the Netflix one and Amazing... I'm other... Yeah, um, Amazing Grace. The Amount of Our film will get a release, but it'll be sometime later, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think so, so. Which is why I feel like Present Perfect seems to be the kind of thing which would otherwise you wouldn't get to see. Not sure if it's going to be good or bad, but I'm trying this year consciously at the festival to see things which... I wouldn't otherwise get to see, and mm. and which is why I feel I'm seeing less, but I'm happier in the things I'm choosing to see. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. No, I'm I'm trying to do a mix of. I do want to see all the genre stuff, but I want to be selective in terms of, and it's actually just getting recommendations from people. Usually, I just, you know, go through every film and say this. I want to see this and that. If someone's seeing something, or if I if someone says, "Hey, this looks really good," or "Is really great," hey. I'll take a chance. It's one of the best opportunities to take a chance because you're more likely to get something of quality that you wouldn't otherwise see take and that is generally good. Take a chance Okay. Sorry, um, that's my ABBA reference for night. And is there ABBA theme documentary at this? No, I don't think there is. We just had Eurovision. Give, We've me, had all give, the me, give me a movie after midnight. Only two movies playing after midnight this year. Damn it. They should do a lot <laughs> more films after midnight. Um, so on to Wednesday. I'm seeing her smell that night. I think we're also check- some of us are checking out Never Look Away, the film from the director of The Lives of Others. And uh, Monos, so Monos is playing on the Tuesday. Excuse me, Monos, see- the hands of fate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you imagine? It's 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 actually a painful watch. That film. It's it's really terrible. Monos. <laughs> no, the hands of fate. I haven't seen I know, Monos I know. yet. I will be getting into it. The, the interesting uh, clash there with uh, her smell is La Pointe Court, which is screening at the Art Gallery of New yeah, South Wales. Um, because a the great film, film festival. I wouldn't say that she'd quite reached the level of mastery yet, but La Pointe Court is a really interesting and creative film from Magnus Vada. Um, yeah, the, the lightness of touch, her amazing photography, and her ambition with regard to structure and perspective, uh, all on show in that film. In case people don't know, SFF is doing a Agnes Varda retrospective called Viva Varda, where they're showing at least ten of her films. Uh, and uh, if you haven't seen an Agnes Varda film, then change it. Actually, because uh, her style of filmmaking is fantastic, and probably one of the few times you can get to see. Uh, so many of her films, uh, you know, on the big screen, and, and there, there's some of the harder it. to watch films of hers that they've included as yeah. part of this selection. It, it, it's fantastic, and you know, I would definitely recommend if you do have a gap and you feel like this is something that you may want to see, but and you have a Varda film clashing with that, I would say pick a Varda film. It's going to, I wouldn't say change your life, but it's going to definitely kind of. Good movies, folks. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, like, uh, very, very, very humanistic. humanistic. It's nice and safe to just pick an older film that you know you'll like instead of some risky, dodgy art house curiosity. Like with La Pointe Corridor from Clear to 5 to 7, like, you can't go wrong. Vagabond. Yeah, I, Vagabond. Actually, I actually take a very different you've view. You've got to check that out. Beyond this, I'm, I'm of the view that, look, I mean, I will see a retrospective film if it really was one that has attention or did blow me away when I first saw it, but... With well, retrospectives, I like taking chance on things new. I appreciate that I may not have opportunity to see one of these films that have screened decades ago or even see that film on the big screen. But I like – in a film festival, don't made it by contemporary content. I like to see contemporary content. 
and prioritize that. So, guys, we're back at calling films content. Sorry. Uh, and <laughs> having, ha- having said that, I do want to see the Babadook by Jennifer Kent, which is playing as part of the 10 Australian female trailblazers strand uh, because her other film, The Nightingale, which I'm seeing on Sunday night, it has its New South Wales premiere at the Sydney Film Festival, and that looks really good. Oh, yeah, The Nightingale is clashing with Hail Satan, which is an interesting clash, actually. Oh, only on the Monday night, the Sunday, not yeah. on the Sunday night at the Ritz, but Hail Satan, yeah, this is about that group who Satan worshippers by Penny Penny Lane if who I'm not got mistaken. in a lot of tr- who got um the makers of Sabrina the Teenage Witch in a lot of trouble for using their iconography in the show quite prominently it's a, it's a very interesting clash and i think two very different uh, looks at you know Nightingale is going to be you know spooky gritty and stuff and Hail Satan is going to be quite tongue in cheek so actually it's a very interesting clash i wouldn't say good or bad but very different taste and how you're feeling that night but I would say I would almost go with Hail Satan because I feel like you need a bit of tongue-in-cheek fun in, in a festival circuit which you know you don't get as much Spe- speaking of that Monday night we're all seeing High Life right? Absolutely yes. Oh yeah Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah you haven't booked tickets book tickets because that will sell that, out okay, that's, that's not even a clash I mean I, I wouldn't say any other film against it don't watch it just see that um, A couple. Yeah. yeah so We've got a lot of the program. A couple of things I'm seeing on the weekend. I'm talking about Trees, the Sudanese documentary about a number of local patrons who want to set up a theatre. Oh, yeah, the second weekend already? Or? Oh, no, this is the... No, sorry. I'm, this, is, this, this is playing again during the week, but um, yeah. it screens initially on the Sunday. Um, Daniel Isn't Real is also screening The Night We're Up To, and which screens first on the weekend, which is the film starring Patrick Schwarzenegger as part of the Freak Me Out. Um, yeah, we're up, to, we're up to Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, we will, 13th, is it is 13th? Wednesday the 12th, no. Um, 12th, what is yeah. everyone seeing on Wednesday? Um, is anyone doing synonyms? I am. Um, the synonyms session in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Yes. This is the film from the director of the original Israeli the Kindergarten Teacher, which yes. I don't know too much about. Um, I oh, understand it that it was great. better than the original Kindergarten Teacher, and the synonyms won the Golden Bear at Berlin. I've, he's a director I've never checked out before, but I've been hearing good things for a while, and yeah, as long as I can get there by 9.30 a.m., should be okay. <laughs> Which is why right. I'm seeing synonyms on the Monday uh, of that week at one forty-five, and then doing Untouchable and High Life. So I'm seeing it that Monday is going to be pretty epic it's, for it's, me. It's going to be that's going to be very packed. Um, that I've asked Glenn to bring me some uh, condiments. Is what condiments? What should I call like? Edibles? I don't know. Food? I, I'm cook, I cook food. I don't know. I cook food. We're going to share some above. food. Yes. <laughs> yes, Glenn. Bring me your condiments and your edibles. <laughs> I do an amazing tomato, tuna, baked bean, pineapple, lettuce dish. Forget, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it, it's that strange. That made no sense. Um, so what am, I, what am I seeing tonight? Ghost Town Anthology and Dirty Guard, which you talked about last week. Oh. The film which is playing in the competition. Uh, but yes, we will be... If you If you see me, I should have some snacks. So come say hi and... No, they always have stuff, tiny teddies and whatnot. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, Thursday. Thursday is interesting because we have uh, the Berlinale Best Actors winners from China, So Long My Son, against the Varda, Cleo from 5 to 7, which is interesting. And Judy and Punch, the new West Casca and Damien Herring I film. don't think that should be watched at all. What? I don't think it's a clash. I think it's just, no. Looks don't go there. It's a story about the original Judy Punch Folk tale? Yeah, great. Good good for them. Good for the folk tale. I like Muraskowska. I mean if she's been doing great projects lately, certainly piercing, which we watched together. Yes, and, we do, we did. 
and the Rod Pattinson film from last year at Myth. Oh, yeah. uh, what's it called? Uh, a Western. The Western, no, yeah. No, 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 the West. Uh, yeah, the West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm forgetting so the name. I, I'm liking... It was terrible. It, it, that was a terrible movie where nothing happened. Right, right. Look, I, I'm liking... I think it's a more hit and miss. I don't think I would call her projects interesting. I think she's just got lucky sometimes. But, uh, I shouldn't like with piercing. She made a good choice with piercing. I'm keen for it. I'll, yeah. I'll, I want to check it out during the festival. Um, is anyone seeing Why Don't You Just Die? The Russian freak me out one. No, I'm I'm seeing uh, on Thursday night a film called Saturday Afternoon, which may sound That's confusing, confusing at all. At <laughs> uh, then the Upper Keys, which is banned in Bangladesh because it's talking about the horrors of a terrorist attack. I know that sounds terrible and just like Hotel Mumbai, but I'm trying and hoping that that's not the case. But I may be wrong again. This, this is, does not have Dave Patel, so there's hope. <laughs> so much hate for Dave Patel in the show. Is this the one-shot film? Yes. Um, yeah, I'm exactly, curious. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. I know it's a very different subject matter, but it's interesting to draw a parallel that there have been a number of these films, one-shot films that have been released over the past few years. Victoria played at the Sydney Film Festival for years ago. Um, the film that played at Revelation and the Grand Film Festival, I can't remember the exact name, and there was the... Oh, I haven't man, seen it, but that, the... That, that little scene... The little scene which started it all, yeah. and the Netflix film about Brevik, which I haven't watched. The Netflix film is actually not in one shot. There was there was a Paul Greengrass more traditional docudrama film for Netflix, and there was a Norwegian film which was shot in one in one shot. Saturday morning reminds me of the concept of the Norwegian film very much. So, you gonna be catching Saturday it? afternoon. Though. Saturday afternoon. Sorry. Sorry. Maybe <laughs> I'm I'm considering catching that on the Monday. I think it is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, Friday, it's going to be fun. We're all doing Jim Jarmusch, Dead Don't Die. Yeah, I think it's going to be bad. Okay, the reviews have been the reviews have been uniform. They've all said it's funny, but it's dour. That it's too self serious for a comedy. But that's Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, yeah that, that's why Jim I'm wondering. J- but there's a magic when Jim Jarmusch gets it right. It's I don't think this sounds like one of his better films because it sounds like he's appealing to his fuckboy demographic, and there's a certain fuckboy demographic that loves Jim Jarmusch. No, Jarmusch is not for frat boys. What the hell are we talking <laughs> I, 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 about? I don't think here? so at all. I but, mean, his his appeal is the Patterson crowd. No, here is what's good about Jim Jarmusch, in my opinion. Um, Okay, that that was definitely the setup for a pretentious pronouncement. <laughs> but, we, are, we are content connoisseurs, Chris, yeah. so it's okay. I think that Jamush is at his best when he's pursuing a kind of romanticism. Like, there's a touch of irony, but it's not overtaking everything. If you think even back to something like Down by Law, the, it stops to appreciate the beauty. And it, I think there's not going to be much beauty in The Dead Don't Die. Uh, think, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. I think, yeah. you know, I'm just saying when he... Is appealing to his worst impulses. That's when just cynicism. Yeah, that's when I think the frat boy love comes out because I feel the frat boy love is. I think I think I think there is I think I think there is a certain demographic. You know, frat boys. Yeah, they just love dead man. No, Patterson. This contemplative with my bros. You'd be surprised. We're talking about broken flowers. It happened with Richard Linklater and everybody wants some. So that's very different film. Can you imagine? Like, hi, I'm I'm from I'm Patterson. I'm from Patterson. Here's my poems. Patterson was a good was a good Jarmusch film. We're not talking about Patterson. Patterson was quite romantic, lovely, and kind of like you know heartfelt, which is rare in general. Not not for Jarmusch film, rare in general as for films go. Anyway, uh, we, we shall not debate the point any further for Jarmusch fans, which are too many in the studio. They're all frat too many boys. In the studio. Yeah, we're too frat, boys. frat boys. Yeah, we're fr- um, yeah, frat, alpha something something. Go sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yes. but right sports after... Sports are great, Chris. Right, right after Dead Don't Die is uh, Baccarat, which 
is going to be a nice double with uh, Dead Don't Die on that night. Genre of throwbacks. This I've seen this film apparently tips its head to John Carpenter. Mm. Interesting. Because that's clashing with High Life at the Ritz that night. So. Oh, I'm seeing Baccarat. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting because Baccarat has a session the morning after, which is appearing and disappearing. As of the time of our recording this on Tuesday night, is it back on the app? No, but it was there and then it disappeared. It's vanished, but they haven't put out a message saying they've cancelled this session. So let's hope this is a glitch that will soon be reversed because I'm pretty sure I had tickets to that session. Me me too. too. And then then suddenly it disappeared. So I was like, (laughs) I need to see this. So I just booked this other one. But hopefully magic happens and they reverse that decision, whichever gods of Sydney Film Festival they are. Okay, so speaking here, so we to the gods of Sydney Film Festival, just ask Nishen next week. He certainly has some control over this. Yeah. Um, going Let's into, not worry him with like, our petty scheduling issues. So this is Damn a petty straight. scheduling we're, issue. We're giving them a money. The theatre session vanished from the program. <laughs> yeah, like the, the state theatre are locked out. Like it's, it's 12 days where it's just Sydney Film Festival. Surely they want that revenue and like the hundreds of thousand odd people filling the train beneath them for those two hours. Like That's true. They want people there. Um, moving on to Saturday, who's seeing Monrovia, Indiana, the new film from uh, Weissman who gave us the Libraries documentary last year? Ex Libris. He uh, gave us more. He's one of the most legendary documentary directors of all time. It, it's interesting because on the Saturday you have... Monrovia, Indiana, and also Minor History, which is an interesting uh, clash. And also Honeyland, which is screening that morning. Uh, very, very interesting, because Honeyland won the... like World Cinema Grand Jury Prize at Sundance, yes. yeah. And that shot really well. So is Monrovia, Indiana, which I've seen, thankfully. Uh, that shot really, really well. Okay. And it's wonderfully, like, you know, if you're looking for clean, crisp... And breathtaking cinematography, see that. And so is Walden, which is also shot really well. So if you have a Saturday morning and just want to see calm movies that just take you on a journey and just make you feel, ah, beautiful filmmaking. I'm watching a lot of Freak Me Out stuff. That actually sounds really nice. Speaking of which, there's a film we haven't talked about, which is just 13 shots of uh, of the environment. With slow pans, which looks very contemplative. I think Chris is catching this one. Um, I can't quite remember the name. Walden. Oh, so that is oh, that is Walden. Yeah, Walden yeah, is, is Walden. Yeah, thirteen three hundred and sixty yeah, degree camera pans. Right, getting titles confused. There. Yes, that is right. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, so that is the Saturday San Antonio is playing again. Um, <laughs> I'm seeing Sybil in the afternoon, as commented earlier. I'm seeing Children of the Sea, the Japanese anime. On the Sunday, that looks really fun. I quite liked yeah. the anime, the single anime that played last year. So I'm looking forward to that. But on Saturday night, you also have the other big clash, which Standing is up for Sunny. Pain and Glory versus Parasite. Ooh, I'm seeing Parasite the following day yeah. uh, because I really like uh, Bong Joon Ho and Chris's, Chris's favorite. So we'll have to catch that. But I'm catching On Dog that night, which is a fantasy murder mystery in Mongolia. Which has okay. really looks like it has a really cool Intriguing. setup. Intriguing. I did not. Okay. Wow. And I've never seen a Mongolian film, so this is my try something new. Yeah. Give it same. a go. Uh, I I will be at uh, the engagement party for my best friend. Oh, lovely! And I have to give a best man's speech. Uh, oh, not like wonderful. a best man's speech. Speech. This is the practice best T- man's speech. Tell him it's Sydney Film Festival, Virat. Uh, so uh, I won't be able to do Saturday night. So that's the evening that I've blocked out. Even though. I had told him to hold his engagement on any other day, but he said, no, I can't do that, Virat, because 
I have other people to respond to, so he did not listen to me. But me being a good friend and just you are. a lovely person in general because I'm so amazing, I said, I will sacrifice my Sydney Film Festival evening for you. And it's not really that big a yeah. sacrifice, but it should be okay. Let's, you kind of, yeah, let's, there are things outside the Sydney Film Festival and <laughs> no film <good>. generally. <laughs> I mean, I've taken time off work for this. So imagine I'm taking actual annual leave to watch the Sydney Film Festival. This is how a lot of I my friends do. Yeah. A lot of my friends do. Um, I have a friend, uh, Nitsa, who has been going to the festival for over 30 years, and she takes the week off and sees about 40 films. She absolutely loves it. So she's been going all the way back to the 70s, and she adores it. Um, it's a good – and it's also during the long weekend. So if you're going to have time off and you just want to spend two weeks of your life just in a dark room with uh, friends and strangers watching movies, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a really nice environment. Yeah, it is. It is. But we're hoping some of the ones that we want to see, Chris, get picked up in Melbourne, which is including Malik and some of the other ones. Some of these might be coming to the late editions. I, d- I don't think Malik would make it. Okay, actually, let's have a wager. Look, well, let's have a wager right Fox now. Fox Searchlight have the rights. If I know. Fox decide, but I would say Malik. Malik is Malik is for Melbourne and not for Sydney. How about? Uh, do you want to bet on this one? I'm I'm not willing to lose money. Sports, no, sports, no. sports, sports. <laughs> no, we just we, this, right. this is just a, a it's it's, don't be sports cin- bet. Your bet will be paid, sorry, Chris. Your bet will be paid out early, and you'll still win. I'll say that Malik will probably only show up in Melbourne, but there's a chance of Sydney. But, I agree. Yep. No chance of Sydney, only Melbourne. Yeah. Which means that we're making a trip to Melbourne, Chris. Uh, uh, think about the good side. I don't know if I need to. I feel like this is going to be like a Boxing Day release with a pretty major push behind it. Kid in Life? Yeah. 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 I think this is an Oscar movie. It's the Oscar Michelle movie. Yeah. Well, apparently it, it is seen to be uh, you know, much more uh, narrative-focused than most Malik. Fox Searchlight wouldn't have spent that money on it if they didn't think that this has potential. And it's not going to be as alienating as Malik's films usually are. Like if you say, "What what is Night of Cups?" or "What is Song to Song about?" Yeah, some rich guy who's sad. Versus, yeah, this movie is <laughs> about a guy who was executed for refusing to fight for the Nazis. It's like, oh, you know, he's there's and he's sad. pre-built dramatic <laughs> stakes again. And the no, one no. scene that has been released is beautifully yeah, rendered. Like, yeah, it looks like no, Malik's no. technique I, at, at the top of his his I, game. Yeah, and I'm a big detractor of Malik, but this looks this looks stunning. Yeah. You're a big detractor of Malik? Sure. How are you on this show? Um, we've talked, about, we've talked but, about this. But even you've liked some Malik stuff, like The New World. I like The New World. I, I do. Think, I, I think do. you'd like Thin Red Line. Yeah, so. yeah, I thought you liked Thin Red Line. I haven't seen it in such a long time. Right. I'll give it another go. We need to change this, Chris. Um, is anyone seeing Dark Place in the Saturday Night, the world's first ever indigenous horror anthology? No. I am. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Hey, look, it yeah. might be good, but... It's a bunch of Australian directors I've never heard of. What are the chances it's going to be good? I'm giving it a go. I like horror. <laughs> no, was, it's a world premiere. No, that's no, hard. I'm sorry. Hard. That was super hard. So you're not seeing Hearts and Bones, the new, all the Chris, new Chris Stenders film? Uh, uh, I don't think... Look, the name Chris Stenders doesn't carry special weight for me. So, And Hearts and Bones? The new Hugo Weaving Ben Lawrence film? Anyone catching that one? Maybe. Okay, I don't know. I may weave some space for it. So um, we've gone through the whole program. Last thing is predictions for closing night. I think it might be The Lighthouse. Uh, no. No, no. It's going to be lights. an Australian film like like last no. year. Hearts Beat Loud that was the last Australian, year. Though. Was it not? No, no. no. Nick Hoffman. Start, no, start, it start yeah. Tony Collette. Somebody Australian. Look, um, it has to have an Australian connection. Right. I think it won't be The Lighthouse because they'll want something agreeable. 
not the you know the lighthouse is an intense you know but, cinematic vision for but, people who are into but, intense cinematic you know, visions you know, and but i think they you might like have a similar kind the, of thing the red carpet which happened with song to song where contingent you know a closing night but i think film. a similar sort of thing it, might know, happen with people who happen with song to song yeah you know, but people thought, oh my God, Robert Pattinson, it might be a really commercial movie. Oh my God, you know, all these fans. Yeah, that's not his teenage, his teenage fans might come out and then be like, oh my God, what is this movie? Well, they can, that can movie? happen for High Life already. I think there's, there's been a shift. Like everything post um, Childhood child of Luda, even before that, there's. He was very good in Childhood of Luda. Luda. Yeah, Luda. Luda. Everything post Cosmopolis, the fact is that crowd have grown up to the point that they're not so endeared. For a great degree to Twilight anymore. So yeah. I remember whenever you would tweet something about a Rob Pattinson film, it'd get 50 retweets immediately. That's Robert cha- Pattinson contingent. That's yeah. changed. And it's simply because that crowd has moved on in their taste to a great degree. As says Rob Pattinson, his films got increasingly eclectic and moved fully from commercial the commercial world into a lot of very good art house. And content. now he's going to be both Batman and the lead of Christopher Nolan's new film. Oh my god, mm. he's yeah, he's Batman. What is Batman, Warner Brothers? He's Batman. Warner Brothers Golden Boy, it seems. Batman. Is it I don't know how I feel about Robert Pattinson as Batman. He's wow. having an incredible I'm willing, career. To, be, I'm willing to be convinced. Like he's genuinely no. having an amazing career. But oh, then, yeah. look, you know, <laughs> it's really yeah. impressive. If, if, he's thirty if, he's thirty two. Let's never forget this. The guy's thirty two yeah, years he, old. He, but he's becoming a new like DiCaprio under our noses. But imagine that. Imagine like <laughs> yeah. by being Batman and better in, than the, in the Nolan's Yeah. yeah. By being Nolan's fanboy and being Batman, he can then pick any art house project that he wants and he can keep doing stuff like Charlotte Felita. So is this I think is, he'll be very picky. He'll work with your Scorsese's and your Malik's and your you know, directors like that. He'll be work with Spielberg. Who can and work such, with and Nolan. Malik yeah, he's, and he's Nolan? He's going into the Tom Cruise Magnolia oh, no, ever ever yeah, his career. Definitely. And then he'll or, do- or Brad Pitt around like mid two thousands when he started to get very picky with what films he would do. Yeah, mm. yeah. Brad, yeah. Brad mm. Pitt. Brad Pitt. So that is our Sydney Film Festival coverage for this week. You can buy flexi passes. Come find us. Um, yeah, get involved. Pick something you haven't seen before. And we'll be back next week talking more. And if you want to like reach out and be like, "Hey, I'm sad or like alone, and I want to see a film," come and see a film with us at Sydney Film Festival. Yeah, seriously, like reach out. We would come. come We would love to sushi or something with us. Yeah, Uh, and um, we, you know, we'll we'd love to. If they have them this year, they got and the they better, or else I'm going to flip furniture. I'm going to yell, "Cinema will never die, even if you try to kill it," and then the security guards will pull me out of the room and they'll say what was all that about but and they'll say it's because you that, didn't have the pies and he'll say damn it I knew we needed those to keep the film fans in check and that's how my Sydney Film Festival is shaping up to be but before that before the Sydney Film Festival experience happens we have on the 1st of June at Sydney Town Hall Spike Lee the actual Spike the Lee coming Lee Spike what? Yeah, Spike Lee is here. For, for what? Vivid ideas uh, or whatever uh, that means. Ideas oh. What it means is you just won an Oscar, so we've decided you're worth giving a speech at our prestigious town hall. And if hall. he doesn't look, swear at the town hall, I'm going to be disappointed. Look, if you get town hall, you motherfucker. If, if you're going to say something, see something vivid, um, it's, it's, it's annoying this takes place during City <laughs> Film Festival, but last year, it's happening again this year, the Fresh Flix Film Festival takes place as part of Vivid on the top floor of the MCA, so you watch a bunch of short films and they're... There is a gorgeous backdrop of the lights. Um, last year, on? this is on. I think it's the sixth of June. It's either the Friday or Saturday City Film Festival, which is very annoying. Mm. Last year was the week before. Uh, the person who won last year, uh, Renthak, was actually on the show. Who was the winner in twenty seventeen of SF three, and she was the winner of Fresh Flix twenty eighteen. So they, they have a really good lineup. It's a Claudia Pickering's festival, and she produced and directed and starred in. Uh, 
Frisky, the film we reviewed yeah, yeah, yeah. about a year yes, ago. Yes, and I remember that. That was, and she was really funny. Yes, if you want to see something vivid that's not Sydney Film Festival, um, check out Fresh Flicks. And yeah, and if you are going to the New Opera Keys, just be careful with the vivid crowd because you won't be able to run so quickly between I, Denny Opera Keys. Dangerous. Yeah. They may be brandishing weapons. <laughs> no, no. I, what I've done. Selfie year. sticks. Oh my God, they're everywhere. Cameras well, can be pretty significant weapons if they're swung with enough what I, force. What I've done... John Wick 4, which has been yeah. announced today. Has, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, May 21st, 2021, two years to the day. What, yeah. what I've uh, done this year is that I've booked my Denny Opera sessions back-to-back for the day. So I start in the morning, and I don't leave until dead of night, pretty much. So I don't have to go anywhere except Denny Opera Cinema 1 to Denny Opera Cinema 2. That's all the kind of walking I'm doing, thankfully. That's my way of avoiding the vivid uh, peoples, the people, um, I just, the we, people's court. Just speaking of a couple of Australian films quickly, is anyone seeing Suburban Wildlife or Slam? No, Slam. Yes, uh, I I am seeing Slam because um, also I'm interviewing the director of the film. Uh, but also uh, there's going to be an actual poetry slam at the Sydney Film Festival hub right after the screening, which I feel is very interesting. It's a very interesting cultural shift for the Sydney Film Festival that, you know, a poetry slam is happening at the hub. Yeah, that is cool. That yeah. is, I did not expect that. I would not be surprised if it's more interesting than the film. Look, I've, <laughs> I, I, I've been to um, the be one wrong. in Bankstown and I've been, to, and I've had actually a couple of the, I've seen a couple of performers uh, perform at other events, including ones when I ran and they're Generally, really great. No, I recommend slam, it. It's uh, going to be a really fun thing uh, to check out. The, good, the poetry slam section in the film are also very good. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think. And also, just the experience of having a poetry slam at, you know, Sydney Town Hall, Lower Town Hall Hub is, I think, pretty significant in terms of a cultural shift and what people expect programming to be, because usually that's the hub of quite elitist, snobbish filmmakers. Are any of you guys interested in seeing the Afters films, Sequin in a Blue Room or Suburban Wildlife? I'm thinking about Suburban Wildlife. Mm. Uh, my sister worked with one of the with the director Imogen McCluskey. Cool. So, putting that one, I'm not sure about. I'm not sure if I'll be able to fit in sequence in the Blue Room just with timing. Mm. <coughs> Both of these films are for those who don't know films made by after recent graduates or students, and the rights to them are uh, owned by afters. So it's an afters contribution to the festival. A lot of afters films are. Filmed no disparagement afters in the one stu- recognizable studio. I made one film, a couple of films there myself. So I'm curious if that like one window corridor set will be in this. I think it's a safe bet for the uninitiated afters, aka Australian Film Television Radio School. Thank yes. me later or don't. So uh, Game of Thrones is streaming everywhere now. The Sydney Film Festival is running from the fifth to the sixteenth of June. Just so you know, Glenn, Game of Thrones no longer exists. Oh, it's 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 done. It's yeah, it's it's finished. I just always thought Game of Thrones was like a post-apocalyptic version of our world set no, ten thousand years in the maybe, future. Maybe maybe the real Starbucks Game of is Thrones actually operating <laughs> in this world. <laughs> and a water bottle. They found a water bottle in this episode. How two. did they manage to do that two times in one two. season? It's really. I mean, the actor must have known the water bottle. It's like the gladiator mistake. It's the exact same as the gladiator mistake. The actor doesn't know that the camera is picking it up, though. The actor might assume this. Oh, th- this is must be a close-up because surely someone else would have. It's even still. You just don't. You just be careful. You just don't. You. It's. It, it's actually the, the Starbucks cup was more symbolic yeah. of the issues with the show on Glenn, so many levels. Glenn, maybe the real Game of Thrones were the friends we made along the way. Did we make <laughs> friends along the way? Or did they all die? <laughs> well, no, I made many friends talking and watching about Game of Thrones, and, and thankfully most of them are alive. 
I don't know about all of them, but yeah, most of them. No red weddings for us in real life yet. So that is our coverage of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I hope your friend's wedding in a couple of weeks is not the red or purple wedding. And I'm sure it will not be because I'd like to see you again. And That's all right. I may be the lucky one. Who knows? Um, and we'll be back <laughs> next week. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Varat Nehru. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast and for listening. Good night. Love Bye. content.